I'm Kim Strobel, and this is She Finds Joy. I've struggled with overcoming adversities throughout my life, feeling defeated and not having the confidence to go after what I wanted. But within every adversity, it can also sow the seed for something more in our lives. For me, that is teaching others to step into the arena of bigness, all while doing hard things and reaching for more joy and happiness along the way. I'm a truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach who believes in giving you the tools to create a life you love. Welcome to the zero fluff, no BS advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. Hi, everyone. In today's episode on the She Finds Joy podcast, I'm actually going to be interviewing one of my high school classmates. Her name is Angie Carlson, and she grew up in the same small town that I did here in Tell City, Indiana, and she went to college and got her medical office assisting degree, and after college, she joined the military, and she says it was one of the best decisions that she made. She spent 11 years in the Air Force um, before she got medical retirement. Now, The thing that I really love about Angie, as I've kept in contact with her via Facebook, is she also is someone who suffers from MS, and this has greatly affected her life, but she is still one of the most positive people that I've ever met, even though she has a lot of hardships in her life. And so I reached out to Angie because I wanted to know how does she keep her her mind so positive? How does she stay in the beingness of happiness when she's very limited to what she can do because of her MS? And when I say MS, I mean multiple sclerosis, which is an autoimmune disease And what happens is your immune system, from what I understand, begins to mistakenly attack healthy cells. And in people with MS, the immune system attacks cells in the myelin, which is like this protective sheath that surrounds the nerves in the brain and the spinal cord. And that's why so many of them lose their ability to walk. And so Angie is going to talk to us about this, but what I'm most interested in this episode is getting into Angie's brain and seeing how she enables a state of being of happiness, regardless of her circumstances and her limitations in life. So stay tuned because I think this episode is going to offer all of us a lot of perspective. All right, Angie, welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast. I'm super excited to interview you today. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Um, I was telling everybody in the introduction that we went to high school together um, and I still live in my little hometown and you have gone on and experienced the world and you've been to Japan and all of these places. You've had vast experiences in the military, which is just amazing that you have the courage at such a young age. I I always think of that. Like sometimes I'm like, I just, I just didn't have the courage. And here I am this many years later, still living in the same small town. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
but my husband and I do talk about moving closer to our nieces, nephews, and grandkids. And like, that feels so scary. So the fact that like you did it and you did it at 18, always kind of amazes me. I know it was, it was a spur of the moment thing too. I was like, I had long hair back then and my recruiter said, you don't have to cut it. And I said, okay, I want to travel. So let me go. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I really, I want to talk to you about your, um, your MS diagnosis and really help people understand what that looks like for you so that we can hear the backstory about how all of that developed and then what your current day life looks like. And then what I'm going to do is get into your brain. And I love that. I just heard your dog bark because we listen, this is what I tell people. I'm like, we got dogs and the UPS guy comes and the mailman comes and we're just a real show here. (laughs) What's his name? There's there's just trucks going past my house and he sees it and doesn't like his name's rascal rascal well he is my rescue he is a rescue um okay so take me back to your diagnosis yes I was was pregnant and something was kind of off when I was pregnant I I, my legs would give out I couldn't run with my squadron when, when I was in the military and I was just walking I had like a drunk walk my gait was off so my six week checkup after I had my baby I'm like, there's something still wrong. And they said, well, we can give you an MRI and see what's going on up there. And I said, okay. And they mentioned MS and I'm like, no, this is like an inner ear infection or something. You know, I'm just downplaying everything. And then whenever I went. Okay. So I have to tell you all, we had to hit the stop recording button because Rasco, Angie's dog, he's just out of control right now because of some truck that keeps going by. And I just have to tell you that I just had an aha I I wish I would have caught this on video because I'm like, okay, Angie, like I, I'm the biggest dog lover, but he's been barking now for four minutes. We're going to have to do something with him. I'm Mm -hmm. like, can you just go get him and close the curtain? And Angie paused. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, you can't, you can't just stand up real quickly and go close the curtain because of your MS. So I just want to tell our listeners, like, even I don't really understand watching you, what, what your life is like. So tell me, okay, you were pregnant. You, you had this yep. baby, your gait yep. was off. You're how mm-hmm. old at this time? I was third. I was almost 30. You were almost 30. Okay. Yeah. So then what happened? You went to the doctor, went to the doctor, they did an MRI and they said, yep, we've got lesions, lesions on your brain that are pointing positive to MS. And still, I wouldn't take that as a diagnosis. They said, do you want a lumbar puncture? And I said, yeah, because I don't have MS. <laughs> and I had a two month old baby in my lap, you know? And so I went and got a lumbar puncture and they said, that's positive too. And I'm like, what? We didn't know how to process. I couldn't really get down because I had a baby. So I was like, and my husband, he's such a good, a good, he's like my best support system. He says, you know what? We're, we're going to learn about this together. You have MS, I have MS. My gosh, that gives me goosebumps. So like you were in denial. Yeah. Yeah. I was in denial. Your brain was saying like, I cannot, I have a baby. I'm a first time mommy. I cannot handle having to do this too. Right. Right. I didn't know what to think. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they said, you'll be in a wheelchair in 10 years. That's what they always say with every diagnosis. So I'm like, okay. So I just research, research, research. And that began do. like your whole journey. 
Yes. And, and are you 48 like me now? So we're, I'm almost in June. I will be. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're like, you know, 18 years from mm -hmm. that original diagnosis, did your bodies is for lack of a better word, begin to deteriorate quickly? Or what did that look like over the next several years? Not quickly. It was, it was little bits of a time and it wasn't until probably 10 years ago, I walk with a walker when I'm we're out and about, I have a wheelchair that I sit in to go point A to point B because I'm so slow and, um, that's about it, but I'm still walking. I'm still up and I'm walking. It's just, I have my right, my right hand is numb. My, my right leg is foot drop. I feel like I weigh 600 pounds. It's one of those, one of those things. So it's just the normal progression of MS. So right now, if you were going to get up and go close that curtain, like mm -hmm. I, yes, you know, ignorantly asked you to, um, <laughs> what would that take? What would you do I, literally? I'm getting up from the chair. I'm getting in my walker and I'm walking over to the window, but it's so slow. I, I, I sloth like movements. It's very okay. slow. Sloth like yep. movements. And mm -hmm. then do you feel really worn out when you do something simple like that? Yes. Simple things are like, oh, I'm done. And, <laughs> and I have to take up my energy for if I have something else to do. So, yeah. and so if you needed to go to the grocery store, you mm -hmm. would grab your walker, make your way to your vehicle. Yes. Get in your vehicle. Would, would you use the wheelchair to go along in the grocery store or? No, I see. I use, now I do grocery pickup, oh. but I used to, yeah, I do grocery because it's easier, but I used to just throw my walker in the back seat and then get out and get, go in. It's not a real quick, I'm going to go in and grab this. It takes a while. And then after that, I'm like, okay, let's go take a nap. <laughs> and yes, do you, are you fatigued on a daily basis? Yes. Yes. What causes that? That is, that cannot, if I have something to do that day, I'm saving up my energy. I'm, I take a nap every day, 20 minutes. That's all I need. But that 20 minutes is like a breath of fresh air. It's like, I wake up, I'm like, okay, let's, let's do something else. But before that, I can feel the fatigue just coming into my eyes get heavy, my my limbs get heavy, and I'm like, okay, maybe this is my body saying, go take a nap, nap right now, and so. And you listen yeah, to that. I do. I it took me years to listen to that. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, are all other bodily functions work for you? Yes. Okay, and. So can you just describe then, because you obviously have a disability now, mm -hmm. you, 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 you can't work. Right. Um, you are limited in your activity level. And I'm not going to lie, like as I was taking my run this morning, I was thinking about you and I was thinking about how many times I get frustrated because I've gotten so much slower with age. Or I remember taking a picture last year with like sweat all over my face and posting it on Facebook and saying like, that was the worst run ever. Like, I'm just so, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, somebody like you, not, not that, you know, I, I don't like comparative suffering when we say like, oh, you're never allowed to compare or complain about anything. Cause somebody always has it worse than you. That's not, right. but also I was like, 
when you see stuff like that, are you a little bit like, come on, I would love just to be able, if I could walk a mile, I would think life was wonderful. Do you have those thoughts? All the time. And it's like, I tell everyone MS is the most frustrating disease. My brain is all like, oh yeah, I can just get up real quick and go do something. But when I actually do it, it's not happening. Rascal. (laughs) So then, okay. Then this is going to bring me, I mean, we've painted a very good picture of what everyday life is kind of like for you. Yet, I just see this, I mean, it's insane positivity that exudes from you amidst all your struggle. And Angie, I I, honestly, like, I mean, I teach an entire 10 month course. Sorry. I know that's okay. So I, I have this 10 month program called the happy Academy and it's basically each month is a different lesson for not just teaching us how to increase our happiness and well-being. Um, but I mean, that is a piece of it because I, I think that happiness is something that many of us feel lost in. And honestly, Angie, I know the research and I know what the research says about you know, our, the happiness research says that external circumstances, I can put all of your external circumstances together Mm -hmm. and it still will only account for approximately 10% of a person's long-term happiness. Hmm. Do you agree with that? Um, no, well, okay. The external is only accounts for 10%. Yeah. So we can take like So basically the happiness research says that 50% of long-term happiness is genetic. So it's kind of how your brain is wired. Mm -hmm. And then 10% is your external circumstances. So that means like, are you married, single, divorced, or widowed? Do you have MS? Do you not have MS? Do you make 50,000 or 5 million? Do you need to lose weight or do you not need to lose weight? And so the research is really strong and it says like, we can take all of these external circumstances Mm -hmm. and we can put them all together and they only account for 10% of a person's long-term happiness because it's, it's how we choose to perceive those circumstances. And so like, for example, we might know 10 people, like I, let's say we have 10 people with MS Mm -hmm. guaranteed some are extremely negative, extremely unhappy. Their world has ended. They've given up on life. Mm-hmm. And then there's you and, mm-hmm. and, and others, right? Yes. So like, how do we explain that? Because I feel like I don't always understand the happiness research, mm-hmm. but, but I believe in it because I do see evidence of it. But I, I feel like sometimes if I, oh, I am trying to because you, you seem to fit that research. Okay. Because you have this really awful thing in your life and mm-hmm. you, you consider yourself a happy person, don't you? I do. I do. And I have, I have seen people that 
take this disease. I've been to many functions and they will just be like so depressed and don't smile. That's why I'm out and about. And you see me in a wheelchair or with my walker. My husband piggybacks me a lot too. <laughs> and they think we're playing around. Everyone thinks we play around. And I'm like, no, this is how I get around. But I'd rather have to see somebody with a smile on their face than to always be like, because it negative brings out the negative in other people, I think. So I, I would much rather, don't feel sorry for me. I'm happy. I have a happy life. I have a happy support group. I have, it's life. You have to deal with, with it the way that you want to. I'm not going to put negative energy out there because I don't want it back at me. <laughs> and so how do you consciously make that decision? And, and I'm reading a great book right now and it was saying that it's not, so, it, and so it goes along with the happiness research. It says it's not circumstances that cause a person to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. It's their thoughts about their circumstances that cause them to be happy, unhappy. And then, so your thoughts about your MS, you don't deny that it's hard and that you wish you could do all of these things, but how do you, and and I, I understand it, but I know there's people who are, well, I say, I understand it, but honestly, Angie, I don't know if I could be happy if I had MS, I feel like that's a really strong statement. Right. And that's where I fight with the research a little bit, because I'm like, I don't know, like the research says external circumstances are only 10%. And I get that. And I get that it's perspective and I believe in it. But when I think about me having to deal with it, I'm like, how would I keep myself positive? How would I keep myself happy? And so I want to know what is happening in your brain that is allowing you to do that. And that's, you know, a lot of people ask me that. And I, I think I've always been a positive, happy person. So maybe my brain is already wired like that. And that's the 50% was, genetic. Yes. And so, and people don't understand like why I am still so happy. I just, I don't like the negative thoughts because there are negative thoughts with everybody. I mean, that's, that's being human. So the negative thoughts, when they come in, it makes it worse. It's like, okay, why am I, why am I just, you know, down on myself when look around me? I mean, I have so much to be thankful for. So well, that's what, so I love what you're saying because what we teach, um, and we talk about this a lot in the happy Academy is that you do have control over your thoughts. And in that What we mean is we know that thoughts are running in the background all of the time and they're on default. And so we're not always aware of them. And then every now and then we become aware of them. Like you're saying, I'm aware of these negative thoughts, but then the power lies in the fact that we get to consciously choose the next thought we have. Yes. And so you're consciously going, okay, I'm in awareness mode. I'm feeling sorry for myself. Um, Things are upsetting me. I see other people doing all this thing with their life. That energy does not feel good to me. So I'm going to shift over here and go, I have the most amazing supportive husband. How lucky am I? 
I yes. have this most handsome, vibrant <laughs> son. Yes. I have this home where I'm safe and loved and full of beautiful things. Mm-hmm. I have this dog, Rasco, who barks incessantly on my first podcast interview. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And so what you're using is like one of the things that we do teach a lot, which is that idea of rewiring our brain and knowing that we do have more control than we think. Right. Right. I I think you embody, because the other thing that's been hitting really hard for me lately is, you know, we want to do, 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 right? So like, Mm -hmm. we're going to go do this and we're going to, we're going to do that. And and we're going to, work really hard and we're going to buy the big home and we're going to marry the perfect person. We're going to have 2.5 kids and we're going to make a lot of money and we're going to have a nice car and we're going to do, do, do all of these things so that then after we've accomplished that, we can arrive at happiness. Right. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but what this book is reminding me, not just happiness, but any state that we want to be is that it starts with being, you have to have the being of happiness and then you feel happy and then you are in a state of happiness a lot of the time but it's like this internal being state happiness does not come from all of these material objects it comes from you creating it within yourself and I feel like that is exactly what you choose to do on a daily basis yes yes I I feel like there is no other choice. I mean, that's the only choice I choose because I don't want to be unhappy. Why be unhappy when you have, when obstacles come about, it's like, okay, this is going to ruin me. If I can have negativity all going through my brain, it's going to ruin me. So I don't want to be ruined. Hello, everyone. I want to pop in here and tell you about the Happy Academy that launches in May. Back when I was struggling with so many things in my life, I found a secret that changed my life and caused a major breakthrough. What is that secret? Well, I found coaches, courses, and programs to guide me. And I started investing in me because I believe I am my greatest investment towards reaching my full potential. I want to invite you to join me for the Happy Academy, where I will teach you how to overcome the obstacles that are holding you back and give you strategies that will help you tap into the person you are meant to be. If you don't step forward with the confidence, believing in the power of your dreams, you risk sitting on the sidelines your whole life. Let me tell you something. You're playing small doesn't serve the world. The world needs your magic. Your time is now and the world and you can't wait any longer. Go to strobeleducation.com forward slash the dash happy dash academy and get on our wait list. So you are the first to know when it launches this May. So you, I'm having, so I knew I was going to have so many ahas, Angie. It's so funny because I, I'm sure you, you know, like you said at the beginning, you were kind of nervous to do this podcast interview with me, but it's one of those things like as a school teacher, I was teaching kids, but so much of the time I actually felt that, that the kids were teaching me 
And I knew this podcast interview would be like this. I knew that you (laughs) would think that I was like the captain of the ship over here. And I knew, (laughs) I knew you would be giving me just so many ah ahas. And so I was, I'm reading, do you know who Jay Shetty is? I do not. He wrote this book called Think Like a Monk. And um, he actually spent time becoming a Buddhist monk and then um, actually decided monkhood wasn't for him, but he teaches a lot of the practices now. And last night I was reading in his book, he was talking about like the monkey mind and that basically like our, our brains are like a tree with all of these branches. And what happens is we have all of these thoughts that are all of these branches. And then there's like this monkey and the monkey just swings from, from one branch to another, you know, it jumps over here and then it jumps over here and then it jumps over here. And like, we just let the monkey mind run amok instead of being intentional about choosing our thoughts. And so he kind of says like many times you know, we, we have these thoughts that are like fears and, and negativity and stress, and we start focusing on those. And then he's like, now you're living in the jungle of the untrained mind, because you're, you're just allowing it by default to do whatever it wants, rather than trying to be an active participant in it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he talks about this Cherokee story and what you just said reminded me of this. And I don't know if you've heard it or not, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, uh, it's a Cherokee story about these dilemmas that we all agonize over. And he says, an elder tells his grandson, every choice in life is a battle between two wolves inside of us. One represents anger, envy, greed, fear, lies, insecurity, and ego. The other represents peace, love, compassion, kindness, humility, and positivity. And these are competing for supremacy in your brain. So then the grandson asked the elder, well, which wolf wins? If they're both competing in your brain, which wolf wins? And the elder says, the one you feed. Mm, Yes. I totally agree with that. And then he said, and then, and then Jay Shetty said, but how do we feed them? Right. Cause he asked his teachers like, well, how do we feed them then? And the monk said, by what we read and hear, by who we spend time with, by what we do with our time, by where we focus our energy and attention. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. That's so powerful. It is. It is very powerful because it's so true. So true. Yeah. And so we each, we each get to control the wolf that we choose to feed. And to me, you are constantly making that choice, even within your adversity, even within your challenge. Yes. And and I realize that everybody listening to this, they do not have MS, but I guarantee you every person listening has had some type of traumatic event in their life. It could be a big trauma like MS or um, injustices that were done to them, um, abuse, physical, mental, emotional, um, or 
the little traumas, the little things that happen that actually do kind of wreak havoc on our life and they deserve some space too. And so I, I think I felt like it was so important to share your story because to me, I just, I just feel like the way that you're choosing to consciously live your life is so representative of the ability to see things from a different perspective. Yes. Choice. It's just the power of choice and what you, what you want. You can have anything you want with just that one little thinking process, yes. you know, such positivity. Would you rather go negative? Would you rather go positive? Anybody would rather go positive, but, and it's so hard for some people to stay on that positive track. It but, is. Yeah. That's, if you, yeah. That's one of the things that we teach because like, we can say this all day long and people mm-hmm. who are listening to this podcast, they're really, some of them are, are thinking, gosh, I can consciously choose differently, but mm-hmm. it's not enough just to listen to this podcast, like a big part of it. And we do this, um, in, in the happy Academy, it's like, we got to literally rewire the brain mm-hmm. because right. the, the brain has, I don't know if you know this or not. The brain has 70,000 thoughts a day on average. Wow. <laughs> and if you're a human being, what we know is if you're an average human being, 80% of those thoughts are negative in a day's time. Mm. Wow. So when most of us, most average folks put their head down on the pillow at night, we've had 56,000 negative thoughts. Uh, wow. <laughs> not, not Angie, I'm just no. saying, not Kim Strobel, because I've had to rewire my brain. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is that of the 80% of thoughts that are negative, we know that 95% of the 80 are the exact same thoughts you had the day before. Hmm. Isn't that incredible? It is. It is. So what we know is that it actually comes from ancient caveman, cavewoman times is that the brain has um, this thing called the amygdala in it. And the amygdala's number one job is to scan for danger in order to keep you safe. And so thousands of years ago, if the brain wasn't on high alert looking for negativity or threats, then you would lose your life. Oh, okay. Yep. So it's 2022 and we still have an amygdala and its job right. is still to do that. Even though most of us don't need it doing that 24 seven, which means that we also know from the neuroscience that the brain is malleable. So if you have thousands and thousands of roadways in your brain, you are going to automatically go down those negative roadways that are kind of more ingrained in your brain the next day, even easier. Yes. And the next day, even easier. This is why like negative people stay negative, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the time until they learn that they can rewire their brain to positive, which is a lot of the work that we do because we actually know we can change your neural pathways in your brain. Right. And it's like feeding that, that wolf. It's feed it more with positive thoughts. That's going to overcome it. So Yes, yeah. that's it. And so we can intentionally do that. So your brain is so wired that way. Um, yes, we're going to give you credit for the genetic piece. <laughs> but I told you at the beginning of this interview, 50% of long-term happiness is genetic. 10% is external circumstances, which I guess you would now agree with that, wouldn't you? You would yes, see yes. that. Yeah. 
And then 40% of the pie is left. And what we know is that everybody can increase their happiness levels, regardless of their genetics or their circumstances up to 40% by their actions, thoughts, and behaviors. Yes. So yes. you've got the genetic piece going on, but you also inherently work on the 40% of actions, thoughts, and behaviors. Right. And I, I, it's not something, I don't think it came to me. I mean, there's, everybody has their downtimes, but then I realized when you think negative, it makes you feel bad. So I don't want to feel bad. <laughs> so I choose not to go that negative route. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because our, there's another thing that we teach, which is like your thoughts, they, they actually become your belief systems. And so like, um, because your thoughts create feelings, right? So if you have a negative thought or a disappointed thought or a critical thought, then that causes a feeling of shame or hopelessness or despair, or depression or anger or whatever. And then those feelings create your beliefs about everything in your world. Right. And then those beliefs drive the actions that you take. So, okay, I'm just going to feel sorry for myself and I'm going to lay over here on the couch for the rest of the day, or I'm going to spend time doing things I, I still can do and focusing yeah. on that. And then that drives the kind of success and fulfillment that a person feels in their life. Right. So it all starts with thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I, my husband plays a lot of games. He's one of those jokesters. And sometimes he takes on different personalities, whatever he's watching. If he's just watching Yellowstone, they turn into a cowboy. I know it's weird. I love he it. Was, he, he was in a very bad negative mood for one of these characters or something he was watching. And he did it for like a 30 minutes. And he sits in the chair and he's like, I just made myself in a bad mood just by doing that. And I said, see what those negative thoughts do to you. <laughs> so he got it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, and I want to make sure that we're letting people know um, that we understand that you're still going to have, like, I have negative thoughts the other day. I just, and I've gotten better at naming it. Like I just told Scott on Sunday, I'm like, look, I don't know why I'm just really grumpy today. And like, mm -hmm. and guess what happened, Angie? Like every, so because I was feeling that way, I was attracting like Mm -hmm. other bad things in my life. Like that's why they say, oh, she woke up on the wrong side of the bed because like yes. when you start thinking that way and feeling that way, you start attracting. And I can't remember, yes. like, it was like a, it was just like a bunch of superficial stuff. Like I, then I took a run with the dogs and Sophie was like acting crazy. Like she didn't want to run, mm -hmm. even though she did want to run. So then I pulled her for five miles and I came home from my run and I was frustrated. And then um, one of my favorite movies, uh, ended up like the TV wasn't working. And so I couldn't watch that. And then that night we went to the movies and we watched, um, the lost city and it was like the worst movie ever. And I mean, I could like laugh at myself, but I was like, oh my gosh, I contributed to this like negative spiral. Yeah. All day right. It happens. Yeah. It happens. It does. So then I allowed myself just to have the grumpy day. Cause we do have to allow those feelings. I always tell people it's not about stopping all the positive or the toxic negative mm -hmm. feelings. I don't even like to call them negative feelings because really they're just heavy, heavy feelings. Right. We're, yeah. we're allowed to have them. But I told Scott, I was like, okay, I'm going to get my sage out and I'm going to light it. And I'm going to like sage myself. 
I'm going to get back to my meditation. Like I got to recalibrate because it's Monday and I'm not going to have another day like that. (laughs) Right. There you go. (laughs) And see, you know what to do. You know, it was how it was making you. So you know how to make it better. And that's what we all want to do is make things better. You would think. So as we close this up, is there like any other advice or things that you might share or have we covered it all? And that's, that's one thing because my, my doctor has had given people my phone number because I am a very positive person and for them to reach out to me. And it's hard for me to say, Hey, just let it roll off your shoulders or, you know, because some people aren't like that. And I just try to give them my two cents and say, you know what? You've only got one life. You want to make it a good one? Yeah. Let's, let's be positive. Let's try your hardest. I mean, there are bad days and you can sit down and cry all day, but pick yourself up the next day. It'll be so much better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, something you just said there also reminded me and then it just (laughs) went right out my door. There's so many ahas that you said, but, um, oh, like I, some of them probably need some time for those seeds that you're planting in them to kind of take shape because I'm sure. Um, but, but that's like a wonderful service too, when you can help people begin to shift their perspectives, maybe. Um, and then, you know, again, I'm always reading, I'm like this book, this book, that book said, but (laughs) I read today, like, can we just stop and be thankful that we got to take another breath today? Right. Yes. Or that you get to wake up and see the sun shining if the sun's shining. (laughs) Yeah. Because even though this is hard and even though you might wish life was different, Mm -hmm. you, you have this wonderful sun in your life. Mm -hmm. What, what an honor for you to be able to be alive and be able to watch him and be a part of his life. You know, it's like, I just think it, sometimes it does help us to focus on the things that we don't always do that. We take things for granted. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, oh my gosh, Angie, thank you so much for just being willing to share your story with my audience today. Um, I I love how real and honest it was. I do too. I do too. And it wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) You did it. You did it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the She Finds Joy show today. I'm so honored that you chose to listen to this episode. As always, this conversation will be continued in my free private Facebook group called She Finds Joy. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other people just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we drop a new episode every other Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe Go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to kimstrobel.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcast where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down just a little bit, you can leave a five-star review and write a few sentences letting me know what you thought. It's so very important to get people to leave a review for my podcast 
The reviews help me get higher on the iTunes list, and that will show up when people are searching for a new podcast, and it will really help us get new subscribers. So if I could ask one little favor for you, just to go to kimstrobel.com forward slash review, give us a review and give us a comment and let us know what's been helpful. Thank you so much for listening in. I am really honored to be a part of this community with you.